Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello everybody, welcome along to the Rangers Rabble Women's Show on a Monday evening live on YouTube. My name is Brian, I'm the host tonight and I'm joined as usual by Wilf, Carr and Laura. How are we doing folks? Lots of happy smiley faces. Very good. Very good, very good. Even Brian, long time Lucy. Long time no speak, yes. So hello everybody in the chat, uh, nice to have you along. Scott McDonald and Alan Reynold, a new member, so welcome along guys. Um, Laura, you were at the game. How was the feeling going into the game before, you know, getting to the ground and what was the chat in the stand? Was everybody reasonably confident? I think everybody was kind of confident apart from me. I had actually says to them, is it no full-time yet? Because I just wanted it on done with. But once it was full-time, I was definitely in a much better frame of mind. <laughs> yeah. Carl, uh, like me, you were watching it on a stream. Um it was it was one of the few games that I've not sort of been worried towards the end because we were reasonably on top for that whole second half and barring maybe one or two sort of through balls, there wasn't much else for you know the defense to do and uh, it was a it was a nice sort of easy win for us in the end. It wasn't a, one of those ones where we're backs to the walls and defending you know anywhere and everywhere. No, it was definitely the uh, the Joe Potter effect, as I'm going to now refer to it as, that she's definitely got a lot of belief in this squad that they can go on and win games where realistically last season our heads would have gone down, we probably would have settled for the draw. So very happy with that. And even the defence in the first half wasn't particularly great. We'll come on to talk about that. But in the second half, they all really pulled their weight. Cathy was flying into tackles and nearly going on runs herself and they were all just really chipping in and making sure that we got the win. So... It was just an incredible second half. Absolutely deserved the win. Hundred percent, couldn't agree more. And Wolf, the resilience of the the women to come back from a goal down. Um, I think certainly last season and seasons before that might not have happened. 
No, you're right. It probably wouldn't happen last season. Um, but I mean, the, the, for me, the difference is that uh, that Joe that Joe Potter knows how to how to influence the game, how to change the game. I mean, she said something at half time that must have worked because the first half was dreadful, and then second half we were all over in what a cheap suit. You know, the substitutions worked. We go on about it every week. You know, Joe's substitutions are they're not just for the sake of making changes. You know, they actually do influence the game. So that that helped that helped as well. And uh, to be to be perfectly honest, I wasn't even after they scored. I wasn't particularly concerned about the scoring again because I didn't think Celtic offered very much other than set plays. You know, okay, we, lost, we lost the goal off off a corner, and we gave away a, a couple of kind of long long range three kicks that were always a worry. But what I mean, they I mean I know we'll get into the game we'll sort of go through it chronologically. But I mean they to me they panicked with about fifteen minutes to go when they stuck their centre their centre half the centre forward. That's the sort of thing you do in the last five minutes of your cup tie if you're up against it. Not, not in October in a league game. You know what I mean? So, to be honest, they got what they deserved doing, doing stuff like that. That's like throwing your goalkeeper up for a corner in a league game for me. You know what I mean? Putting Because they did. I mean, they put they put that that, that, Hayes, that Hayes woman, whatever her name is, I don't even know what her first name Her that scored their goal. Right? They, stuck, they stuck her up top and just started throwing balls at her hoping, hoping they would stick. And they were never going to because she's not She's not going to guilty be a centre forward, or she'd be a centre forward. You know what I mean? Hmm. For me, for me, they panicked, and that played right into our hands because we kept playing football, made loads and loads of good chances. I mean, they're not loads, but made a few good chances. Two absolutely excellent goals. You know, I mean, the goals were the goals were were really really good. You know, we had lots of good individual performances. Um, them not so much. I mean, Cam was saying before we came on that their their fans are raging good. You know, because I think they they were beginning to think they were they were they were invincible, they were unbeatable because they won they won ten out of ten. They hadn't played anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, they come up against a decent team, and they get their arse handed to them. That's it. You know what I mean, onwards and upwards. Absolutely. And the starting eleven that started on uh, yesterday was Fife and goals with Doherty, McLaughlin, and Hill in the defence. We then had McCauley, McLean, Cornet, and Hay in the midfield, and up front we had Bell, Howitt, and Hardy. Um, was there any surprises in that starting lineup, Water, for you, or was it pretty much what you thought? I think it was pretty much what we thought. I think the biggest surprise was Rachel Rowe being omitted for the the actual match day squad because I think you had spoke about it and Card I spoke about it on our podcast that we were expecting her to be the one that was kind of going to pull it. Like, have a big kind of say in that game, but then she wasn't even in the match day squad. But we've obviously got such strength and depth in the squad that anybody can come in and claim a shirt. And I think Megan came in, did a good job. Then obviously she went off at half time because she got like a bit of a kick in the face, got a bit of a nasty injury. And then Libby Bands came in and did absolutely fantastic. So we've got such strength and depth, it doesn't even matter who we put out, everybody's going to perform because. That's just the way Joe's got us playing in it. Yeah. For for you, Carp, what was the what was the issue in the first half? I mean, to have two contrasting halves, you know, in the same game is very unusual. I mean, you maybe peak a little bit better in the second half, but the difference from the first to the second was quite stark, wasn't it? It was. I think in the first half we gave away a couple of balls like fairly close to the box. Any one of note, Jenna. Again, a couple of short passes that didn't get to where it needed to go. And just one kind of lack, but defending from a corner, and we just seemed to not quite be at it. But 
as well said whatever she said at half time really got them going and they just came out and looked like a completely different team and I don't know if it was Libby Bantz that maybe came on in that midfield and just kind of shored it up and then obviously Jodie came on later on and she did really good in that wing so I think today everybody kind of thought that look we need like they needed to do it there was no like you couldn't lose that game and I think they all just thought we have to do this now and it just shows what they can do and you know they go at it and they want it so just need to keep doing that every every game, not just half our games now. We need to do that consistently and we'll we'll rob this league. Yeah. I think Wolf after the first half you were you were kind of hoping it wasn't Groundhog Day again where, you know, we don't play very well and you know, Celtic were there, as you could say, for the taking and we don't take advantage. Um you know, that was my sort of fear after watching the or listening to the first half. Um, you know, it was one of those games we could have, I wouldn't say we should have scored in the first half, but, you know, it was one of those ones where you, you were scared that they weren't playing well. We could have taken advantage of that. Yeah, but I mean, there's not so much of a worry. Last season, it did been a worry for me, but not so much hmm. this season, because as, as Laura touched on, we've got strength and depth now that we've got a lot of good players on the bench. You know, I mean, I mean, you bring on, you bring on Libby Bans. She was unlucky not to be starting the game. She comes on at half time, and the the team certainly didn't dip any. You know, and Joe seems to have it, um, have it well worked out that she that she plays one of the youngsters on the wing for an hour and then brings another one on for the next half an hour. You know, she's not over, she's not overplaying them, and the and the qualities are similar, so they're not. It's not really affecting the way we play. You know, she'll she'll have Mia start the game and bring it on Jody or Jody start the game bringing on Mia. You know, and it or. You know, Brogan's back now, so she, you know, she can do the same with, with Brogan, who, by the way, a hundredth competitive appearance for us yesterday. That's fantastic. I mean, that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, and also, I noticed tonight they, they put some some uh, some photos up of the of the women going through, going through the museum, and I noticed that that Brogan had the the, the kids' broxy tour thing from the museum in her hand. I thought that was quite funny. That was I would have expected jo- Jody or or any or somebody to have that, you know, just for the. Just for the last on the photos, but it seemed to be broken that had that. I thought that was that was quite good, um, you know. But because um, I'm sure she'll take a ribbon for that, but I'm, but I'm sure that's all part of the, the kind of the team banter that they've got. But uh, I mean, touching on something that you know that Laura said about about Megan Bell getting a kick in the face. You, I don't know. Well, Laura, you certainly wouldn't have heard it because you were at the game. Unfortunately, I wasn't. And I was watching it on Sky. But do you know that um, former Scotland international captain wasn't sure there was contact when she got kicked in the face. Which is absolutely incredible. And everybody then showed, everybody uh, in that group could see she got kicked in the face. And then it showed you the, the close-up and they said, oh, there's Megan Bell showing the scars on the challenge. She got a stud mark under her eye. Yeah. And Julie Fleeton said, not sure there was contact. Unbelievable. You know what I mean? That's just rid- ridiculous. You know what I mean? Just, but, but that's just a side point. I just wanted to get that out there. I just thought that was absolutely ridiculous. But no, Brian, to your point, once, once the second half started, I thought we were all over them. They scored... Against them, as I said earlier, they, they didn't look threatening at all, other than from set pieces. And when they scored off the first one, yes, I was a bit concerned if they got more that they would try the same again. And it wouldn't be the first time that a Rangers team's not learnt from the mistakes and conceded exactly the same goal. I mean, it's happened for years, but it, but it didn't happen. So, and then once once we equalised, it was only ever going to be one winner from that game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you said earlier, Laura, obviously. Rachel Rowe wasn't was injured. Do you know any reason or no? Because as I say, we thought that she would be playing, but I think she's ha- she has had a rock obviously this season. So whether they're just like kind of protecting her and let her other players play 
because she's cut, go, um, been called up for the Welsh international team again. Mm-hmm. So whether she just kind of said, like, I'll just rest and then they've got the UEFA Nations League games or whatever. But I don't know. I think it was just maybe maybe just rested her because she has been injured this season. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, of course, set piece comes up, Laura. You kind of, every time a corner or free kicks around the box, you kind of hold your breath and... It was like deja vu. We've seen that goal many a time. Same player scores. Just, I don't know. I don't know what to make of these set pieces just now. Well, we'd, we'd spoke to the majority of the players after the game and they were all saying that they were raging that they conceded for a corner again because they'd actually worked on it a lot this week. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you could see that they had because the first half, Jenna was really, for a change, actually dealing with them really well, getting kind of like first of the ball, get them away. So I think it was just it was just one of the things, if they're going to keep giving them corners, they're eventually going to stick one away. And it's Caitlin Hayes does always kind of get on, get on the end of them first Celtic. It's pretty much the only thing Celtic have got going for them is mm-hmm. they can take a set piece, they can get Hayes on the end of it, and she tends to score. But other than that, they never had much to offer. So they'd obviously work on the set pieces for the kind of scoring side and we're obviously trying to defend it but as the players had said she's that tall and hard to kind of mark so she kind of pushed Cathy out the way and obviously got her head on the end of the ball but after they even scored we were all just kind of looking like that's all they've got so just didn't give them corners and we can win this. Yeah totally agree and Carr it didn't take much time between the goals Um I think it was I think it was Rachel that got the ball in midfield, gave it to Kirsty. Kirsty in the box, cut it inside, and the coolest player in the park, Kirsty McLean, had the time, had the foresight to sort of control it, not just sort of rush it, controlled it, and then just passed it into the bottom corner. It was a a, a marvelous goal, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, the first time I saw it, I saw it live, like from the stream, and I thought. I mean, their keeper really should have done better there. But having watched the back about 12 times now, she's actually done like magnificently there to control that, to stop the ball and then just slot it where it needs to go. But Kirsty Howitt does really well to get the ball into to Kirsty McLean to then slot that home. And from then, you could see they all just like ran back. They celebrated a little bit, but they all just ran back. Let's get more here. Like we know we can do this. Come on, let's just get going again. It was nonetheless let's savor the moment until we finally won it, and then they got to have their their moment to enjoy it. So it's just class. She's so good. I think she's probably the best midfielder in Scotland. Playing in Scotland, I'll rephrase that because there's certainly Scottish players in England that are probably a bit better, but she's definitely up there as being one of the best midfielders we've got, and probably the whole of Scotland's got. Brian, I think I think you did uh, Rachel McLaughlin a bit of a disservice saying that she got the ball in midfield and played the ball to Kirsty Howitt. That was a great run forward by by, by Rachel McLaughlin, you know, before she played the ball to, to, to Kirsty. And I mean, it was it was a it was a great team goal because I mean Rachel. You know, stood forward with a ball and then didn't didn't panic when, when there was challenges coming in. Gave the ball to Kirsty Howitt and as, as Carl says, she did brilliant to get the ball to any who just cool as you like into the corner. You know, one one and as I say, there's only going to be one winner from there, isn't there? Yeah, Carl, going back to your point there, I think it, it was it would have definitely not happened last year, but this year I think is is the Joe Potter effect as you like to call it. Um, you know, after they scored, there was a, a maybe a little two-second celebration, but then 
they, they switched on again and went straight back to the the centre circle and what you know they wanted to get the game going again straight away, didn't they? Yeah, and you could see Nick as well. Like a lot of them were kind of hugging each other and that, and you could see Nick run up and she's giving her her command, saying this is what we've got to do, and then they all just run back and get going again. And I think that's definitely what they need. They need that kind of leadership to just be like, right, we need to go and win this first. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I think last season we got a bit of ahead of ourselves at points and thought that we'd already done it before we'd done it. And I think that kind of held us back a bit. So I, I like that we've got that calmness now to just settle down, go and win it, and now you can go and enjoy yourself. And it's class. It's so good that we've got that leadership there from Joe and Nick and from the rest of them, Kathy, everybody else that's in there doing the same thing. It's so good. Yeah. On thoughts on the captain, Laura? Um, the change was <coughs> was I wouldn't say it was controversial, but you know it was it was an unusual change. We weren't sort of expecting it. Um, how's how do you how do you feel Nick's sort of stood up to the the permanent sort of captaincy role? I think she's always kind of been the captain, even with it having the armband. Really, she's always the loudest player on the pitch, telling everybody what to do, and kind of like she kind of says that they kind of call her bossy, but she she knows what she's doing. She's even with the younger players and that, she kind of guides them in that. She's always done that. So it's just kind of a long time coming that she's finally got that armband, obviously, on her arm. But I think they kind of have class it as like a leadership team, where obviously, like, Nick's the main one, and then there's, like, Kathy's vice-captain. But there's also, like, Rachel McLaughlin, Jane Ross, Lizzie Arnett, that that's kind of in there kind of supporting. So it's not just, like, we didn't just have one captain, we've basically got, like, a full team of them that, players didn't you just go to Nick they can go to like the other players that are kind of that older figureheads as well so that it kind of takes the pressure off Joe and lets her do what she's doing basically yeah it's nice to hear that Wolf isn't it you know a a, a whole team of captains is, is, is Laura's saying you know there's three quarters of that team that could easily take the captaincy and you know they would be fine with it um but it's 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 been a long time Sort of coming, doesn't that sort of situation, hasn't it? Yeah, successful teams have always got a lot, of, a lot of captains on the park to use the to use that expression. I mean, it's okay, somebody's got to have the armband because that's just the way football works. But I mean, you've got to have leaders. You've got to have leaders all over the park. You've got to have your goalkeeper's got to be quite strong. And I know we've got we've, we've got some issues with uh, with Jenna. I mean, again, she gave as Carl touched on, she gave away a couple of couple of chances early doors um, in the in the first half yesterday that were a bit kind of. But I mean. The probably didn't go down too badly with Joe because Joe said in the past, look, you've got to, you've got to take risks, and we're trying to build the ball up from the back, so you're going to take risks, and luckily we got away with them. Um, you know, you need somebody at the back that's quite strong that can be a captain. We're, we're lucky we've got at least two because we've got you know, we've got, we've got we've got Nick, we've got Kathy, and you could probably hear. I mean, Rachel McLaughlin probably has got those kind of tendencies as well, although you don't really particularly see it too much, you know, in the in the midfield. Okay, we've got a few young players in my field, but I mean, Rachel Rose, captain material for me. You know, in the, in the middle of the park, you know, you've got Kirsty Howitt. She she's not shy and shouting shout their head off down up upstairs up top. So we've got we've got them all over the park, which is what you need, you know, to get to get the message across. And it looks like um, under Joe Potter, they're given they've been given license to to work it out for themselves. You know, quite often under under uh, the previous management, you think, well, are they just doing what they're told, or are they, you know, are they being allowed to express themselves? Are they, 
you know, are they worried about, get, about getting grief or maybe getting subbed for not for not following the game plan of the letter? Because in football, you have to be able to work it out on your own. You have to be able to, you know, see see this isn't working or see that is working and, and go with it. And there's the more leaders on the party you've got, the more chance that's going to happen. So, I mean, Nick Dockett is captain. Ranger, Ranger support, I live in the dream. Yeah, I mean, what, what, more, what more do you want from a captain? No, absolutely. <clears throat> and then the, the, the winner... Uh, Laura came just after the 80th minute. Um, great skill from Kirsty, uh, uh, Lizzie Arnott down the wing. Um, I think did a two or three step overs, and then the most possibly the most horrible cross for a goalkeeper. It was in that zone where she either had to come make the decision to go early, or if she didn't make that split decision, then she had to stay in her line. And as soon as she decided not to come. There was only going to be one winner when Rio was going for that header, wasn't there? Yeah, it's just typical Rio. That's just what kind of what we've been missing, I think, way like last season and that. But first of all, Lizzie Arnott coming back into the team, like she's been out for so long to come in and just deliver a cross like that was just absolutely like unreal. She was even just in running up in that wing as if she was like playing every week. You were just like, mm-hmm. where did she get that fitness kind of level for you? But she's just phenomenal. And then obviously the lovely cross and Rio just was looking for it. I think Rio was kind of starting to look a bit tired. So as soon as she got that and that kind of gave her that adrenaline rush to kind of see the rest of the game. But it was just absolutely fantastic. And everybody just got absolutely mental. It was just kind of cherry on top of the cake. Yeah. And I mean, Car is Laura's just touched on there. Um, the energy levels, <clears throat> excuse me, of Lizzie. Um, I wasn't really, well, wasn't sure what to expect with Lizzie because she's been out for a long time. Um, but, I mean, that was a pinpoint cross. You couldn't have asked a, a striker's dream that cross. Um, as I say, she, the, she put it into the zone where the goalkeeper was just left and no no alternative but to stay on their line. And that was the, the danger. And... I think as Paul's just saying in the comment, you know, Rio and, and Roe will have a big difference this season and Rio is putting in the hard yards, isn't she? She is, and I think she had to get an end of that. If you watch the behind-the-goal footage, you can see she runs from quite far, but she sees it coming and then makes the run in so that she's in the right place to just throw herself at it. But that's what Lizzie offers us. In the year we won the title, Lizzie and Jane were instrumental in us winning that because they would always get the ball in the right area for each other. Mm-hmm. Lizzie from corners, there was another one that nearly went in. We were unlucky. I think it was just off the line or just in front of the line that was cleared away from, from Lizzie again. That's how good she is. And the fact that she's been out for so long and you, you wouldn't think it because she's just come back and doing what she normally does is incredible. I mean, it's a testament to our medical team, I think, that they've got her to that place. So... Once Jane's back and once Lisa's back and we're all fully fit again, it, it, we're going to be unstoppable. But it's just incredible the firepower that we've brought in and the management having the tactical ability to know where to put them, how to do it, what's best for everyone. It's just it's incredible to watch and it's a joy to watch again. Last season was a struggle sometimes, so it's nice to have that happiness back surrounding the Rangers. Yeah, well, um, that's the sort of first sort of round of fixtures sort of over. Um, I think we've played everybody in the league now once. Um, we've played Glasgow City and Drew. We've beat Celtic. Um, not far off perfection, but we, we've took points off one of the other two. Um, I think that was Paramount 
in this sort of first round of fixtures. Um, good start. It's a good start. I mean, obviously, it could have been better with with drops and points, but I mean, it's considering that it's it's a relatively new team, it's certainly a new management team. I think we've done we've done exceptional. I mean, you know, you can't ask for for much more. We drew we drew with Glasgow City. Potentially, we could have won that game, but you know, what I mean, we, we beat Celtic. I mean, for me, yesterday it was it was vital that we uh, that we didn't that we didn't lose because we couldn't have them going five points clear. Winning was just as Laura says, the cherry on top of the cake. Um, because you know that put, that puts us top of the league. They thought they were invincible. You could tell. You could tell that with the reaction of their uh, their manager at the end of the game. You know, always complaining about something, jumping about, screaming and shouting. They they honestly thought they just had to turn up to win that game. I think, you know, and not only not only did they lose it, that's their unbeaten record gone. Uh, they're, they're no they're no longer top of the league. They're in an international break. Now, normally international breaks, you know. We'd be wanting after a performance like that, we'd be wanting a game this coming weekend instead of it being internationals. But it's quite it's quite nice for them to have to suffer for two weeks as opposed to normal mm-hmm. us that have to suffer for two weeks. You know, so, so that's quite nice. You know, but I mean going back going back to the to the winning goal as I mentioned in the phone in um on the pod earlier on when uh, from Jim when, when Jim from Kirky mentioned the, the best the best striker at the club scoring scoring the winning goal. I mean the cross from Lizzie just like you say, put it to the only place the keeper can he go for it. And Rio, Rio knows what she's going to do, and she's she's steaming in. And you need players that are willing to take that risk, because if that ball doesn't come in, she looks to be a bit foolish diving it for thin air. But she knows mm-hmm. it's coming in, and it was a tremendous goal at any level of football, you know. And it's worthy of, worthy of winning any game. But that's that that's as as we said as we've, been, we've said earlier, and we've said in previous pods. That's the advantage we've got now with this with the strength and depth we've got. I mean, bring it. I mean, bringing Lizzie off the bench. You know, and to 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 put in crosses like that, it's just it, the last last season with no disrespect the players that were in the squad, but we're weakening the team making substitutions because we didn't have the same quality of player to bring in. Mm-hmm. You know, and the substitutions were all over the place, and it was partly because of the personnel that we had. But but this year, it's quality players we're bringing in. They can do things like that, and they know that they're obviously working on stuff because how many times do you see a winger throwing in a ball like Lizzie threw in? And there's nobody there. Nobody's taking the gamble, you know. But you know, I think it was it was Carl said you watch the footage behind the goal. Rio's come from a long way back because she knows exactly where that's going. As soon as Lizzie's going down the wing with that, she knows exactly where that's going. She knows exactly when she's putting it in, and it was it was it was as close to perfection as you can get for that sort of goal. And it was it was brilliant, really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Laura. That the, the both of you, you and Carl have mentioned before, you know, there's a, a really nice blend of youth and experience in this team now. Joe's not scared to play the young ones. She's quite happy, full trust in them. Um, I think that's quite, I think that the, the older players will get the sort of energy off the young ones, if you know what I mean, It'll, the buzz and the sort of enthusiasm. And that, 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 that to me is a great mix of experience in youth, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's she's came in and they basically everybody's just bought into whatever she said as soon as she's came in the door. And I think she'd said on another podcast about she couldn't believe the amount of talent that we actually had. Like usually you come in and there's like one good young player and you're like, right, I'll maybe bring them through. But she's got like the best academy in Scotland at her fingertips and she's known how to use it. And it's probably there's not been many young players she's maybe worked with much before, but she's got so many and she clearly trusts them because obviously me and Macaulay's been 
got an extension to her contract already after only signing it in the summer. So it just shows like how good they are and she knows how good they are that she's obviously going to get them signed up longer term because people are going to be watching like, these all these young players that they can maybe get for cheap but we can't just let them go like obviously we did with Emma Watson so she knows she knows what she's got and with the experience we've got with like the Knicks and Tess and that it's just going to bring on the young players even more because with their kind of guidance and that it's just she seems to have all the ingredients for like the perfect kind of recipe and that it's just a joy to watch yeah yeah. as you said earlier Car it's nice going to games now and watching good football it is and it's just nice to know that like we could always probably pick the team last season and be bang on every week because it was always the same players getting picked. And now I think we argue most weeks with, no, Mia should play, no, Brogan should play, no, it should be Jody, or no, it should be Tess, no, it should be Chelsea. It's always, well, I mean, for me, it's always it should be Vic. But I will say, my criticism of Jenna, it's warranted at times, but I think she did have a fairly good game towards the end of the game. And Joe's obviously trusting her with whatever she's being taught now by the new goalkeeping coach. So you know, maybe one day I'll give her some praise for a full game and want her to be picked, but we'll see. But I'm just honestly just so buzzing. It's so nice to have that feel-good factor back and the feeling that like we probably are unstoppable at this point as long as we keep the injuries under wraps because you know that's been an issue and that's probably the only reason that we didn't beat City that day and we probably should have because we had the talent to do it but just because of the injuries we're struggling about but now we're at that point where we've got a bit of momentum we just need to keep going with it and it should be okay going into this next block which ends with City again at the end of November which I think will be the true test of have we overcome that. Yeah absolutely. So we come to the league table and Rangers are top of the league with 31 points, 47 goals, goal difference. Uh, Celtic line second with 45 goal difference, 30 points, so one behind. And Glasgow City have played one game less on 25. Nice ring to it, Wolf, isn't it? Top of the league, unbeaten. Yeah, top of the league and unbeaten. It doesn't. I mean, it, it's good that it's top of the league unbeaten and only dropped two points because you can be, you know, you can be unbeaten and having drawn four or five games. You know, as Carl says, we should probably have beaten Glasgow City that uh, that time we played them, but that's one of the, that's one of those things. Um, you can't really ask for for much more a quarter of the way into the season. Uh, only drop only dropping two points. That's as we said earlier on. That's that, that that's decent. We need to build on it. We need to move on from it. Hopefully, the the players that are away in international duty all come back unscathed. You know, that's always my concern when they go away is that they get injured. Obviously, I don't think they'll all play because we've got five or six away with Scotland. There's no way they'll all play. It would be nice if they did, but I can't see it. Um, obviously, Rachel goes away with Wales. We'll see what the injury situation is like there. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Vic's away with New Zealand. I don't know if they're playing. Uh, she'll probably be away as well. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully the other one, the ones that aren't away can... You know, can have a break. I mean, most of them will be because I imagine the younger players are away with the 19s or the 17s or whatever. Um, but that's the thing. We've got so we've got so many good young players that we've got first team starters going away with Scotland under 17s. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Really, when you think about it, when you say it out loud, that's absolutely ridiculous. You know, um, and as somebody called, uh, commented earlier, as Paul commented earlier, could we not get any signed up in a five year deal? That would be that would be nice. I'd make it a 15 year deal if I could. Okay. <laughs> it's inevitable that we're going to lose her and we need to lose her for we need to lose her for a, 
a good wedge of cash. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you probably go to England and there's lots of money down there. Um, but that's let's not let's not wish away of our assets just at this at this moment in time. No. But yeah, I mean, hopefully, I mean, you know, because because that's the end of the the first cycle of games, we should be going back to playing teams that let's be, let's be honest, we should we should take care of relatively easily. So it's it's good time to, to utilize the squad. You know, bring the injured players back in slowly. It's not like we're going to have to bring the injured players back in to start them because we need to because we're short of bodies and we're playing games that are going to be, you know, get against the like the Celtic or Glasgow City because we're not going to be. Facing them again until his car says what I think it's international weekend, men's mm-hmm. international weekend. I think we've got City on the 17th, 18th of November, something like that. I guess the 19th. 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 I know it's the I know it's the I know it's the the day after I do the sleep out at Ibrox. So um yeah, I know it's that it's that, it's that international weekend. So I mean that's again international weekend, there should be a good crowd at it. Because I know it, I know it's away, I know it's at um I know it's at Glasgow City. But you know, people will be people will be will be dying dying to get a game of football in, and you know it's a Peter Hill, decently set up at Peter Hill, so hopefully get a good crowd along to that. Um, just just got to keep winning. End of the day, just got to keep winning, keep rattling in the goals. I mean, we we said, you know, last week last week when we played Hibs, we we know we only got seven that we could possibly have got more because the goal difference is going to be important. The way we're playing goal difference isn't going to be important, but until we know for a fact that it's not going to be, we still need. to you know, keep that one in as many as we can against the teams that we're supposed to take a few of. Yeah. Uh, there's also, I was going to bring this up, but Paul's said it in the chat. Uh, congratulations also to Chelsea Cornet for getting her call up to the national squad. I think Laura, it's very well deserved. She's been a, a very important player for us recently. Um, always puts in a shift, um, never shirks a tackle. So it's a, a, a thoroughly deserved call up, isn't it? Yeah, she's always been quite consistent for us, but I think she's really stepped up where obviously Sam Kerr leaving, she's kind of stepped up into that role of going forward a bit more and getting goals and then kind of, if like any goes forward, she kind of sits back or whatever. So they've got a good wee partnership going in the middle of the park. and then But then she can play with everybody. So if Tess comes in, she can play with her. She's good with obviously the, the younger players and that as well. So uh, she's, she deserves it. She has obviously had her cap the... So the Australia game she's played um, yeah. before, but obviously we're being injured. We had kind of thought it would be the next again round she would be called up, but obviously they're they're obviously need more midfielders up, so she's got called up again. So that's good. And obviously Kathy and Kirsty Howitt getting called up again. It's good to see. It's just good to see so many players getting recognised for the hard work that they're putting in with their club teams. Yeah, and if, if the team that's top of the league can get Scotland players into the Scotland team, there's something far wrong as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Carl, this is I'm going to take this one. You play devil's advocate here. Um, could we see a Trevor Francis moment in Scottish football with the first million pound transfer for a woman player? And I take it he's referring to sort of the Kirsty McLean sort of sort of player. Um, Trevor Francis obviously was the first person uh, in world football to command a million pound transfer um is that something you can see in happening anytime soon if i'm being realistic i think if we manage to keep her for five years and get her on a five-year deal and she keeps progressing the way she is potentially in five years it could go for that once women's football kind of catches up a bit and england start paying crazy money for people but mm-hmm. realistically it's probably 
not going to happen. But it's going to be anybody. It's going to be her, I think. She's currently. But you never know. Laura Berry might end up being that. It might be Mia McCauley. It could realistically be any of the young team. But I, I doubt it. The current climate of women's football, but I'd love it honestly because she absolutely deserves it. She deserves to go and win everything, win the Ballon d'Or, go and win the Champions League, go and win everything because she's that good. Yeah, I think certainly as you said earlier, you're not wanting to sort of uh, get rid of your players too soon, Wolf. But I mean, she, in my opinion, from what I've seen of her, she could play for anybody, couldn't she? Yeah, I think she's a she's a fabulous player. She really is. I mean, considering the, I mean, considering how how young she is, you know, she's got levels and levels to go. Um, I hope and hopefully that's not for a few years yet. Hopefully she's still with us for a few years yet. Um, I mean, she's still got a lot of learning to do because she can she can overplay it at times. You know, I mean the the chance that she gave up yesterday, for example, she held on to the ball for too long. You know, trying to be trying to be too clever at times. I think. You know, because she knows she knows how good she is, and she's mm -hmm. gallant with it, and that's that's great to see. But sometimes you just have to say, okay, I've beaten this player. I'll, I'll just get rid of the ball, and I'll get past her. I don't need to beat her three times. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I just hope she can stay injury free. I mean, there's, I mean, you know, look at. I mean, Emma went down to Man United and then got a, you know, got a, got a really got a really bad uh, bad knee injury. So you know, hopefully we any can can stay clear of serious injury and. Stay with us till for another two or three years. Let's not kid ourselves. So she is going to go on to huge, huge things. She, the continent would be fantastic for her. You know, she, she'd be brilliant to somewhere like Spain or or Germany or you know Italy, something like that. And that's that's where that's where the money is really. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but let, let's as I said earlier, let's not wish for assets away. Let's get this, let's get this legal, let, let's get this legal one first, and then worry about who we're keeping and who we're not keeping. Yes, totally agree. <clears throat> I suppose, Laura. Um, you've both said it before, but we'll mention it again. The difference that Joe Potter has made to this team, um, I think it's clear to see. Um, there's a, a, a definite sort of bit of guile in the midfield that you know that there's a, a, a high energy in there. Um, this the the strikers are taking more risks like she wants. Um it feels as though the hand breaks off with the with the women, isn't it? It's you know they're not they're not scared to take a chance now. Yeah, and I think it's partly due to the fact that Joe's no longer retired as well, so she knows the kind of modern game. She knows how they're going to be feeling and kind of what they're going through. And that and I think she's still fairly young as well. She's kind of going to have that good relationship with them, but she also seems like you wouldn't want to get on the wrong side there. So she know they know kind of have that respect for her, the way she's played when she has played but also that she is the manager at the end of the day and they have that respect for her. So I think she's just she just seems to have it all kind of figured out for such a young manager. Like this is her first kind of manager job because obviously she's been assistant before, but she just, just seems to have taken it to like a duck to water because I don't think she would even have expected to come in and be doing this well already. I think the team would kind of be the same. They would maybe I thought, oh, she's a bit inexperienced or whatever, but just for whatever reason, it's just working. Yeah. And I suppose I'll ask all of you this question, but I'm still sort of humming and haying. Who was your man of the match, Carr? Uh, Rachel McLaughlin. Oh, sorry. Player of the match, I must say. Player of the match, yes. <laughs> for me, it was Rachel McLaughlin. I think she just, she was flying into everything. She was, you know, a rock. 
going forward as well. She was just, just so, so good. And it, personally for me, she said to me at the Hamilton game that she was keeping some in the tanks of the Celtic game. And that was two games away from the Hamilton game. And, and she stuck to her word. So for me, it was Rachel McLaughlin because she's just, she's that good and she's so consistent with it. She's genuinely one of our most consistent players. She's, I think Laura always said that she's like a seven out of 10 all the time. And you can't beat that when she's that consistently good going forward and defensively. She's So it, for me, it was uh, Rachel McLaughlin. Laura? I think I'd say Cathy Hill, to be honest. Other than that mistake at the goal, which it's just one of these things that happens with Caitlin Hayes and Celtic, but Cathy just seems to have come on leaps and bounds because she's got that mask off. She's had her surgery in the summer and she's just kicked on and she's just so so strong in that middle three at the back that she's just doing fantastic. And she's obviously got the confidence of getting a couple of goals, scoring at Ibrox, and she was right up for that again yesterday. And, She's not with the armband anymore, but she was still leading by example the full game. Yeah. Well, who was your player of the match? Rachel McLaughlin for me as well. Car summed it up absolutely perfectly. I thought Rachel had a great game. Yeah, Rachel McLaughlin for me. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So, folks, that's us. We will uh, leave it there, but we will well, hopefully. Now, now, Brian, now, Brian, come on. I told you to write something down about an hour ago, and you've forgotten, haven't you? Luckily, I wrote it down. Because we had a question during the phone in on the main show about from I think it was from Jim and Kirky yes. about do do we think that at any time in the future there will be a female manager of a major men's team? Now I put it in our chat and Laura came back with an answer almost straight away, and Laura's answer was Emma Hayes will be the first female manager of a men's team sometime yeah. in the near future. Head to here. In which league do you think she will appear, though? Because she turned, she she seemingly was taken or sort of um, annoyed that a League One team offered her a job because she thought she deserved a higher level of club. Now, that's just her. That's that's her beliefs. That's what she believes. But where do you where do you imagine uh, Emma Hayes pitching up if she left Chelsea Lip Ladies? Probably the Chelsea men, they go through managers. <laughs> I mean, Carl, it's, 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 it's been the burning question for a long time, you know. Um, you know, presenters, you know, it took long enough for the women to get involved as far as presenting. Then it took long enough for them to get involved with the uh, punditry. Um, it's almost like, it, it's almost like a steamroller. It's just... It's always. I think it will get there. It's just the time it's taken to do that, and I suppose it takes gumption. It takes a bit of gumption from a chairman or a, a board to take the plunge and do it, doesn't it? Yeah, not to be too philosophical, but I think the world has a little bit of catching up to do before that will happen. Just hmm. realistically, from a fan's point of view, because I don't imagine. I don't know that much about Chelsea, but I don't imagine if Emma Hayes became their manager that a lot of their fans would be overly happy with it because they do, a lot of men don't like female pundits at this point, never mind a female manager. So I think it'll take a long time before it catches up. But at the rate that Emma Hayes is going, she's going to win everything and she's going to need a new test in the next five or so years to, to take that next step. And realistically, she can't really go any higher than she currently is other than winning the Champions League. So realistically, that is the next step. But I think League One is a bit of an insult to... Emma Hayes would know she's achieved as a 
And I think, was it Forest Green Rovers or whatever they were called? Had an interim female manager, but that didn't work out too well. But I think that's just because that club wasn't very well run at that time. And maybe she wasn't the right fit for the job. But at least they tried. At least, you know, they thought, well, we'll give this a go. But it just didn't work out for them. But the world's got a bit to catch up on yet before that all happened. Yeah, blue, blue Horizon, it's Shirley Kerr that you're thinking yeah. about. Um, yes. Who um, has got a bit of pedigree. Brian, for me, to answer your question before you ask it, to me um, if it happens the the manager concerned has to has to be worthy of the job it can't just be a box ticking exercise yeah. you know, like you've just said there it's taken a while for the you know the women punditry and all that in football now I think I think it's overkill because some of them aren't good enough for the job they just put them in there to tick boxes in current society you know, it's just the way I think. I mean, don't get me wrong, some of them are very, very good. See the ones that are very good, brilliant. There's some guys that shouldn't be in the pond with yeah. because they're absolutely hopeless, right? I mean, it seems to me though that, that some of the, the female pundits and some of the the, the, the female commentators are there because the broadcaster wants to tick a box. Don't tick boxes, get people that can do the job. It doesn't matter <laughs> whether they're male, female, they're British, they're foreign, they're whatever they are. If they're good enough to do the job, give them the job. So if a female manager is good enough to do the job, and they'll only find that out by giving them the job, and Emma Hayes is a, is a prime example, I don't think it would be an insult to her to, to go League One because she'd need to prove herself. You know, and if she is good enough, then she'll move up very, very quickly. You know, it's like a lot of advice that's sometimes given to kids. You know, don't sign for the academy of... Rangers or Celtic or Liverpool or Man United because you'll probably you'll be really have to get through if you're as good as we think you are go to a club a level below and the big club will pick you up because you're as good as you're supposed to be the manager for me should be the same but they have to you know when you said you said when you asked the question that inevitably it'll happen inevitably it will happen but it has to happen to somebody that's good enough because if if not there's going to be a woman a female manager given a high profile job she's going to crash and burn and that'll set it back 10 years because they'll all yeah. go, that didn't work for them. We're not trying that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe say like a Brentford or somebody decide to give Emma Hayes the job, for example, at that sort of level of team. And she does well. That's great for the evolution of women as managers and football, managers and male football teams. You know, I mean, the the problem then you'll have people saying, well, why can't, why can't you have mixed football teams? And that's not going to work because of physicality. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you know what you know what society is like. People are going to go that way, and that can't mm-hmm. that can't work. You know, but I don't see why. If you can have men, if you can have men managing women's teams, why can't you have women managing men's teams? Yep, it's a conundrum, and it's a, a debate that will rumble on and rumble on until it actually happens. Because as you said, Carl, earlier that Forest Green Rovers, I I genuinely think they did that just as a pure publicity stunt. There was no intention of getting how the job was there. No, it didn't seem like I didn't know that much about it, but it seemed like they were just at a, a point where they didn't have anybody lined up, and it was like, oh, we can make a bit of a name for ourselves here, like throw her in. The team was at a bit of a horrendous point. It seems like not that I knew much about them, but they were really struggling, so it's not great. But I think also like there's a lot of women's teams that have never had women's managers, female mm-hmm. managers, sorry. So it's going to take a while for that to catch up, and realistically, that's where you start. You have 
player, women, female players that played the game know a lot about it, then go into managing women's teams, and then they can pass on the trade to the younger generation. And then once you know we get to that point, they can potentially move up to men's whenever that happens. But we're not, we're not even at that point yet where you know it's a lot of men that have potentially not been good enough for men's teams have then gone into the women's games thinking oh, it'll be a bit easier this way. And it's not always turned out that way. If you look at Man United, for example, women's team, you know, male manager doesn't really seem like he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, look, 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 at, look at us. Look at us. We've brought in a female manager and she's doing better than any of the previous managers we've had. They've all been blokes. Well, not yeah. all been blokes, but the last two or three, you know what I mean? So if they're good enough for the job, give them the job. I mean, simple. But they have to be good enough for the job. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. No, if, if they've got the CV and they've got the coaching badges and they've got the experience, as you say, Wolf, give them the job, 100%. And before before we go, because we are just about to go, I know, because you tried to wrap us up early. <laughs> Blue Horizon, who I think is quite new to the party, welcome along. It's nice to have you. Uh, was asking was asking in the comments earlier what, what night we're on. We generally try to be on on a Monday night. It's difficult sometimes. Uh, we work schedules because people work shifts and you know things like that. Um, but we do try and be on on a Monday. Easiest thing to do is stick your notifications on on YouTube for the rabble, and you'll know every show every show that we do when we when we post shows when we go live. We do try to do a Monday after, obviously after the the women have played. Um, and if we don't do it live, we'll record something, stick it out the next day if we can. So just about housekeeping. I noticed that comment earlier. So. Well spotted, sir. But we'll obviously be on, uh, of course, I was just about to say, the next women's game is, I did have it up. up. The 5th. The 5th of November at home to Spartans, yes. Yeah, so, the we'll semi-final, how's that for that good old scheduling again? Marvellous, isn't it? So hopefully we will have, uh, on the 6th of November, we'll be uh, on, we'll record a show on the Monday. Uh, and we'll go from there. But thank you again to Carr, Laura, and Wolf. Thank you, Much appreciated to everybody in the chat. Blue Horizon, welcome back anytime. Uh, everybody else, the the stalwarts that have been here since day one, thanks again for all you guys. Uh, much appreciated. And again, we shall see you very, very soon. Paul's always here, exactly. Paul's yes. always here. Paul and Alan. Yeah. So we shall see you again very soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.